0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Draft Down 2021 podcast. My name is Jackson King.
1: My name is Aditya Prabhakran.
0: And in this week's episode, we will be looking at the biggest, uh, let's call them boomer bust prospects in this year's draft, uh, analyze the edge rushers that you should be looking forward to in the first round, and then look at one of the teams that really, I would say, won this week in terms of free agency and how they should draft this week. Uh, As always, we're joined by Adithi Kavakarin, one of the, I would say, aspiring scouts in the NFL, would you say?
1: Uh, Aspiring scouts in the NFL, yes, but a current scout at the collegiate level. So, is that.
0: Yeah, so let's just jump into it. You know, one of the things I love about the draft is that, the NFL draft specifically, is that there's always guys who you expect Uh, who get highly drafted who then just flame out immediately feels like in the NFL. I think of like Paxton Lynch for the Broncos. Uh, We may be seeing that with uh, Isaiah Smith out of, or I believe it's Isaiah Smith, right? out of The Titans. No, Wilson. Wilson, Isaiah Wilson out of the Titans. Uh, There are a lot of those guys who just get highly drafted, but then aren't able to do anything. And I don't know. Even though there's some really polished players in this year's draft, I see there are a lot of guys who could go either be really good or really bad. What is your thought?
1: Um, usually with boomer bust, there's some type of, in a sense, baggage, whether it's the prospect is only meant for a specific scheme. Uh, the prospect has, is riddled with injuries, or in the case of Lynch and uh, Wilson, both just have serious competitive toughness issues. So I think just all that has transpired the last two years in college football, really, there's so many people or there's so many prospects coming out that have either had serious injury issues, um, probably some character concerns, but really more, more now than anything, it's probably uh, injury so
0: you do, So I guess that was my question going into this. You know, we see it all the time where it's the character flags. Uh, looking at Wilson last year, uh, Johnny Manziel is another great candidate for that in terms of is his heart really in the right place? Do you think we get more busts from that perspective or from the injuries, and are they going to be able to come back on the field the same way kind of perspective?
1: I think last year was pretty indicative of how thorough NFL uh, scouting offices were in terms of them being able to weed out character concerns without without having as many face-to-face interactions in the processes in the past. So I think if we're running into a situation where maybe there's some character concerns, but like a player is pro- probably, uh, or if a team believes that a player is worthy enough of a top pick, then it'll happen, but I can't see more than, I honestly can't see more than like one said prospect being selected on day one.
0: And, and do you think that's, do you think any of those prospects have the potential to, and we'll get into more specifics in a second. Do you think that those are the guys we see? Like we see Tyree kill and he was a fifth round pick probably because of the character concerns. And you know, is that a guy who you see coming, like a player like that, where it's like the character concerns or the knee concerns are going to hurt him, but then he's going to come into the NFL and possibly overcome those deficiencies?
1: I think, ooh, I mean, it's always hard to gauge per person. Um, last I think year, another
0: exam- I think another great example is Jalen Smith, in that there were a lot of concerns about where he would go because of that terrible injury against mm-hmm. Ohio State. And it really took him two years to get back on the field. And, you know, he's still a guy who has like injury issues.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That injury really did a lot to his game because he was very reliant on his athleticism Uh, because he wasn't always instinctually there, but he had the athleticism to kind of make up for his flaws. Whenever you took that athleticism away from him, everything became a lot more, um, his, I guess it was so, so much clearer where he was as a liability.
0: So uh, I guess we'll go into it. You know, you've done a lot of research on a lot of pro prospects, whether it be first round guys, day two or day three guys. Are there any who you're hearing character concerns or big like red flags in that department?
1: Um, I think the, well, there are several people that, have been questioned whether they truly care about the sport. The first one that caught me probably off guard was, uh, Michael Parsons, the linebacker from Penn state. Um, there was some concerns early on in the process, if he really cared about football or not, uh, recently his college coach, James Franklin came out and said that had the big 10, not, uh, had not originally canceled the season in what July. That he would have played this season instead of opting out. Um, that one, I it didn't make sense to me because he always came off. Or at least it, he showed good competitive toughness. He always came off as a guy who loved the game. Uh, you know, opting into or opting out just to focus on preparing for the draft. Uh, it that didn't necessarily. Um, I guess logically check out for me, but you really never know. But that is something that you've heard from multiple people. Yeah. These are not necessarily things you can gauge from an outside looking in. Okay. So Parsons would be one. Um, Another big one is uh, Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky. He's a cornerback that's likely going to find himself in the day two conversation as a cornerback. Good player. Uh, He kind of fits the Kentucky cornerback mold a little bit uh, long and good athlete, Um, has good tape on, like, previous Kentucky corners. Um, I think there are concerns about uh, marijuana usage. Yeah, um, that was – and I I, I couldn't tell how
0: much of it was true, but that was the rumor as to why he actually left LSU. Uh, I can't confirm that, obviously, because no one's ever going to say that, but – that that was part of the story. So you you you've heard that from people too, the marijuana thing.
1: Yes, uh, at the athletics, Dane Brugler uh, had definitely had talked because uh, a lot of Dallas media were a fan of Kelvin Joseph, and Dane kind of uh, saw that and was like, "Yeah, there's some serious character concerns here in terms of marijuana usage," because, uh, and that's why he's kind of sliding down boards. Um, He was a guy who
0: I knew a lot of people thought could be like a sneak into the day one prospect. And now whether those character concerns limit that is a big question. Well, he
1: has the, he has the athleticism Mm -hmm. and he has, I'd say most of the tape would warrant at least a late first round selection. Um, but yeah, whenever you're in that situation, every team in the first round is just looking to um, nail that first round pick, because if you do a good job in that, usually do a good job in that first round, it sets you up really nicely for five years with a team option. So that would be a guy have to monitor, um, in terms of character concerns, um, some concerns about the Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips. uh, These are kind of overblown. He is a big uh, fan of like making music and that this is something that's been detailed in like several articles and his passion for music is kind of what brought him back to football in the first place because not only does he have or the reason that he got into that situation first was because he had dealt with three concussions while at his time at ucla and he was at ucla because he would they had offered him i think he was the number three prospect in the entire country for the 2017 class so he had to uh, quit for medical reasons, and then he slowly started getting back. In uh, I guess he started finding an interest in music, and then realizing that there was a certain void that wasn't that that was yet to, there had yet to been filled. He turned back to the football field, so naturally concerns there about how much he loves the sport, like serious enough to really affect his draft stock, or. The thing that's going to draft affect his draft stock is uh, how teams feel about his injury situation because it's just bad. Okay. Dude's a good player, good competitive toughness. Definitely wouldn't be concerned about his other interests um, having influence on his playing career.
0: I mean, there's kind of a double standard, in my opinion, with that idea of, like, multiple interests because I think you see it all the time where different people can do different things during the season. Like, I know there's that Chiefs guard who didn't play last year because he's still a doctor in Canada right now. Yeah,
1: Laurent DuVernay-Tardif.
0: And I'm not saying that, like, that's something that can be sustainable for a lot of players, but I don't think, you know, that idea of, like, oh, he does music in addition to being a football player, I don't think that's something that necessarily has to contradict each other.
1: Yeah, it's – people use – stuff like that just to build narrative whenever josh rosen was coming out he was seen as a very intelligent guy and he knew our people knew that he had an interest in economics and uh was a big political or i wouldn't wouldn't say big but was definitely a political a- activist in terms of climate change and st- such things like that and so throughout the draft pro- process you're just hearing about oh this guy has other interests we're not sure if he's really uh all about football but he played three years of college football was by far the best player on his team
0: yeah well wasn't there and, talks about that too with nick bosa coming out of ohio state with with like his political affili or not affiliation but like how he was outspoken about politics
1: oh that wasn't that had more to do with political party than just his general uh okay. yeah well that, like. Are
0: there any, like, because, again, we're seeing it right now in Tennessee where Tennessee is immediately regretting the Isaiah Wilson draft pick, and there are a bunch of character concerns about him, and there are a bunch of character concerns in some of the previous drafts about some prospects. Are there any of the quarterbacks you think are going to have character concerns, or are they very?
1: I think for the most part, they're all at the top of the draft seem to care. There seems to be – Everybody who talks about Trey Lance, I think, comes blown away with how mentally sound and just how good of a leader he is. And I think...
0: Do you think that's just because he's from North Dakota? From North Dakota State?
1: Yeah, that offense is by far the most pro-ready offense of all the top four quarterbacks. And And considering he did what he did when he was 19, that really doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, I guess there've been also very conflicting reports about Zach Wilson as a leader, but they've seemingly been disproven, or at least all the concerns have. At least internally, at the very least?
0: Like, in the, in the, in the locker, in the, in the GM's offices, they're, they're not taking that as credible? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, because that was, that was something I had heard probably back in november december and i like obviously there wasn't a lot of proof back then but i'm glad to hear that's you know because again he's a guy who's projected to go in the top five and so he a guy like that having that leadership issue if if it was true would not be a thing i would want to have if i was a gm are there so i guess we've kind of hit on some of the character concern guys is there anyone, because there wasn't really, there's not, I mean, I don't think there's been a near what Jalen Smith had to deal with. or some of these other prospects coming out with knee injuries or just injuries in general. Are there any this year that you think are going to really affect people's draft stock?
1: Um, the big one for me, who's kind of fallen due to injury, uh, Rondell Moore, the wide receiver from Purdue, had a really electric freshman season, was just kind of an, like a, anomaly as a prospect. He's only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, uh, I think like 185, 190, but he's just built like uh, he, he's built on like anything we've ever seen and he's fast. He's got good contact balance. He's just a guy you want catching passes in open space and just letting him get yards after the catch. Um, he had a great 2018 season and then he tore his ACL, I believe in the second game of his 2019 season and then he Opted out this season whenever the Big Ten canceled, but whenever or they said they would continue playing, he came back. And I don't – if I remember correctly, he did not – yeah, in – let's see. I think – I believe it was – well, okay. Actually, in three games, he had 35 receptions for 270 yards. But three games this season? Three games this okay. season. but. Okay. Unfortunately, that just adds to a great total of 7.7 yards per catch, which is incredibly low, and also incredibly low compared to...
0: Yeah, what was his 2018 season like?
1: 2018 was 11 yards per catch. Yeah. and Oh, he played a little bit more. He played a few more games in... Uh, 2019 that I
0: remember. Let's see. Well, and the other thing with him is, and I think it could hurt him, is he's in a wide well, receiver four class. games in 2019. Yeah, okay, he's bad. in a wide receiver class where you look at, and we talked about it last week with guys like Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, who, you know, has seemingly overcome any of the pot, uh, potential questions about his injury. Uh, uh, Jamar Chase. There are so many other good receivers in this class. He may fall down just because of that and the injury. Affecting him too.
1: He is such a... Because he's such a different... Uh, or I guess because his frame is so different. Mm-hmm. He's so small, but he's incredibly well built. And so you can see what he does surrounded by subpar talent. When he gets to the NFL, the people he'll be playing with will be better. and But doesn't necessarily affect how he plays because he isn't for someone as fast as him, he can kind of struggle to separate down the field just because he doesn't have that nuance, but just because of how exciting he can be whenever he has the ball in his hand, it's very easy for a team in the second round, in the second round to be like you know what we like our odds with him as a starting slot receiver let's go get him it's been a year since he's torn torn his ACL he played last year it wasn't great but also the situation at Purdue wasn't great so you're
0: saying that like what kind of range do you think he's projected at right now
1: early day two
0: early day two and where do you think he would be if he didn't have the injury last year or wasn't dealing with the injury last year?
1: Probably end of the first round. Okay. Because as it as I see it right now,
0: kind of in that like Brandon Ayuk, uh, uh, Mark uh, Hollywood Brown kind of range.
1: Yeah, I think that would be fair. Um, let me see. Let me one draft over right. So right now, if I remember correctly, the uh, let's see. He would be a
0: guy, and uh, I could see if like if the Browns end up trading OBJ, they trade they select him to be the kind of not replacement, but the guy who fills in that catching role.
1: I don't know, cause uh, OB, OBJ feels is very much an X receiver at this point. Rondell Moore doesn't really fit that mold, and also I'm not really sure he fits in a offense quite like that. I okay. think in a He'd obviously be really fun in Kansas City, but it makes absolutely no sense for him. Um, and but, it makes
0: no sense for the Chiefs to be like, "Hey, let's
1: get another yeah. receiver." Um, I'm, I mean, okay. So if we're just kind of going through the order here, we expect Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Rashad, ba- sorry, uh, Jamar Chase, and likely Rashad Bateman to go in the top 20 picks. Or, at the very least, those are kind of like four first-round receiver loss.
0: I'd say top 25.
1: Top Rashad, 25. Yeah, Rashad so, Bateman
0: may be someone who's pushed just because other prospects make it ahead of him, but he's definitely a top 25 pick, yeah.
1: So, we recognize that. In, in normal situations where, he do, where Moore doesn't have an ACL injury, he probably slides in nicely to New York at 23, um he could he'd be really nice in Green Bay at 29.
0: Yeah, I could I could see that a lot. I think he and could see, he could fill the kind of the cob role that they've been missing over the last couple seasons.
1: And he's faster than Cobb too. And to some degree, I think Baltimore would be a good fit. Um he has the same speed as Hollywood Brown, except he's built a lot differently. And I think he attacks the areas that Baltimore's been struggling for the last two years.
0: Can you elaborate on that? Because I feel like a lot of people don't – like they just see Baltimore needs a wide receiver, but they kind of are misconstrued on what kind of a receiver do they need. Can you go Right,
1: that? so if I remember correctly, let's look at the Baltimore Ravens depth chart real quick. Um, I cannot type right now.
0: Because that's something I think scouts, like yourself, do a really good job at. Is not just the Ravens need a receiver. It's the Ravens need this kind of so,
1: receiver. Yeah. So the current receivers are, at least under contract, are Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, and then a mix of Benjamin Victor, Jalen Moore, Deion Kane, and Antoine Wesley.
0: So really... Hollywood Brown and a couple of a bunch of questions. So, lines.
1: as it currently stands, your your X receiver is likely Miles Boykin, and your Z receiver is Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is really good at taking the top off of defense vertically. He has good. He knows how to generate separation, quickness deep. The issue, build, he isn't. He gets injured a little more than what you would hope a first round pick. Uh, he, availability is definitely a concern to some degree. Um, He also won't get you yards after the catch in short areas. So so he's not like a Tyree kill in that
0: he'll catch it five yards down the field and then take that for 15.
1: I mean, yeah. And, and the thing is with Hill also, even though he's fast, he's also really well built and has mm-hmm. contact balance. So that really leads into my next point of, They have Devin DuVernay on the roster. Devin DuVernay is about 5'11 to like 2'05, 2'10. So he has a good sturdy build. He's fast. He ran a 4'38 last year, but he doesn't have the lateral quickness and change of direction that might be preferred at the slot receiver position. Now, traditionally, Baltimore is running a lot of heavy personnel because that's what Greg Roman likes to do. He loves to just, in a perfect situation, he's running the ball, putting a whole bunch of people on the line and just trying to toy with the defense in terms of where, in, in which gap he's going to run. However, when you can't run the ball successfully, having Mark Andrews as essentially your third wide receiver can only get you so far. So what does Rondell Moore actually do in this situation? He can be that slot receiver that can catch uh, passes in the short and intermediate areas. In the short area, he can catch and then get yards after the catch because he's built well, good, has good contact balance, good play strength, and he's also got good explosiveness. And with uh, in the intermediate areas, that's kind of an area where Miles Boykin, who's fast, at least clock speed fast, struggles to get separation because he just doesn't have the nuance and just doesn't know how to vary his tempos in that area. And Marquise Brown also just doesn't have the, uh, play strength to kind of come down with catches in that area of the field. So that's where having a person like Rondale Moore, who even though is small can do so many different things would be really valuable to them. And that also like will have a huge impact on what Lamar Jackson can do because it gives him more faith in being able to throw over the middle 10 to 15 yards down the field, which he likely wouldn't have right now.
0: Yeah. uh, So I guess going back to the, the sort of the topic of boomer bust, he's, he's a guy who you think would have made a lot of sense in the first round if he didn't get injured. Do you think he has the potential to fall all the way back to them at the into the second round, or do you think they they would have to trade up to get him earlier in the second round?
1: They would have to trade up to get him because any team that is looking for a wide receiver will likely have more high. Um, it's Playing him originally will be a little bit challenging because you don't know how much he's truly capable of. There just isn't too much film on him, and you just don't know how much he's developed as a player. But... Within due time, he'll be the type of receiver that every team wishes they had drafted early on or wishes that they could have drafted early on if it was not for injuries in his situation.
0: And again, I think that's a perfect example of a boomer bust prospect. It's a guy who the injury ultimately decides whether he's a steal or a bust. Uh, looking at some of the other guys. Uh, we talked about um, we talked about Micah Parsons in the first episode and we kind of talked about the range for him. Have you been able to more view him recently and where do you think his range as a prospect is?
1: It seems like now his range probably starts at uh, let's see um, I don't I'd say it probably starts at 7 but it okay. could anywhere from 7 to like 25 at this point
0: that's a big range
1: <laughs> i think people are kind of realizing just how incredibly good this tackle class is and if we're expecting um offensive tackle that is and if we're expecting a, a certain amount of quarterbacks to fall in addition to offensive linemen he could be someone who have not having played a year and not mm-hmm. being particularly good in coverage and also not really having a defined position in that sense um, probably takes a tumble to a team later on, like later in the first round, just because um, Mm -hmm. he, just because of uh, how much uh, the stock of other players has gone up.
0: Do you think in the same way that you talked about Moore, do you think he's a guy who in three years we could look at and we'd be like, why was no one high on Micah Parsons? Like, do you think he has that boom potential that a lot of prospects
1: have? Yeah, I I think so. Good athlete. Um he plays hard, uh he's a good pass rusher. I think we'll look at this in a situation where if he's employed properly, yeah, in a few a few uh a few years we'll be like, dang, I can't believe so many teams passed on him. Uh-huh. But there's also because there's so much – I don't want to say so much, but because there's some uncertainty about how to use him, right now it feel uh, right now it's kind of just like, well, he'll probably be a good pro, but he'll pro- – other teams who maybe pass on him for different prospects will probably be like, you know what, that was probably the right move.
0: And especially as we've talked about this quarterback, the, the three positions we've really dissected so far this uh, process which is quarterback tackle and wide receiver all have really interesting prospects at that range yeah it's gonna he could have a fall because of it
1: Um, um another one in the injury thing is Jalen Phillips Jalen Phillips could definitely be a first round pick but his injury history is so bad he'll probably end up being a day two pick which is really unfortunate for him because he's a good player he plays hard
0: where do you think in day two would he be?
1: Um, I would be certain that Dallas would be looking at him at 44.
0: Okay. If I, I,
1: 44, they're probably running up to go and uh, – <laughs> or they're probably rushing to call him.
0: <laughs> yeah, from the, the tape I've seen of him and Rousseau, uh, I think he more fits of what Dallas likes in a pass rusher. Uh, and, yeah, I think he would be a good – depending on if they can get him.
1: Yeah, um, he can play a seven tech. He can play five tech on NASCAR packages. He can play inside as a three tech. He has the play strength to play everywhere. Has knows how to turn speed to power on the outside. Good bend. He's just you. Ex, there's something you expect out of him being like a top three prospect in his recruiting class, and like everything shows up on tape.
0: Yeah. So do you think he's a guy who could maybe just go underrated just because he doesn't have that, like, because the history is so muddled with him?
1: Yeah, I I don't know necessarily about he just goes under the radar. I know teams will be looking at him. and I guess, I guess it's more the fact that teams will
0: pass on him more easily than they normally would just because his, you know. The they, thing is,
1: if a team in the late first round sees him and they're like, you know what, our doctor said, we probably aren't going to have an issue here. We'll gladly take him at the end of the first round because he's a good player.
0: Is he a guy who you think Tampa Bay could go after at 32? Um, Cause that's, I mean, that
1: would on if Shaq Barrett. Probably,
0: yeah. um, Tampa Bay but. is the team that's most dependent on free agency. Cause their, their draft I feel like is going to be in obviously best player available, but trying to, supplement holes that they lose.
1: Uh, Yeah, because it sounds like Levante David's gonna leave. Shaq Barrett sounds like you wanna stay in town. If Barrett stays in town, I think, uh, in general, I don't necessarily think Phillips to be a good fit for Tampa Bay, just because of what they asked their outside rushers to do. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that's really uh, Phillips's game. Mm -hmm. If anything, more of his teammate Quincy Roche's game, just a stand-up edge rusher. Uses speed and bend to win. But uh I think if there's a team that wants a good edge late in that round, be like New Orleans or Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I could see Cleveland doing it as a Verner yeah. replacement. Yeah, that's I mean but and you think he has the potential to go there, or do you think the injuries are gonna force him
1: like I said, if they one of those teams says, you know what, the medical medicals on him are not as bad as previously thought, we'll take the we'll take him in the first round because he, I think for me he get, I got like a low first round grade, or I don't even see low first round. He was my edge one, so I'm sure other teams are probably looking at that and uh, saying he's probably the best edge rusher in this draft. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah.
0: You, you graded him as the number one edge rusher? Yep. So uh, that's interesting. So uh, I guess we'll use that as our transition into the edge rushers. Um, the, definitely a very, you know, we've seen some big edge rushing classes over the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, your, you got your Bosa's. Last year, obviously, Chase Young led a big class. I feel like this year's class is definitely lighter on the edge rushers
1: just at the top level, what, what was your, what's your assessment of the addressers as a whole? This is, in general, it's a pretty weak defensive line class. Um, it's a bunch of really athletic guys with very not good production, i.e. like pay. So, um, so the tape
0: isn't Rousseau, always there.
1: Gregory Rousseau, um, Jason Owe, M Archer. Basham, uh,
0: you're just not seeing the production, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. They, there's just, so all of these guys are really good athletes, but there's all, so many of them just don't understand how to use their hands to win. So it just, yeah, there will have to be a significant amount of development for most of these prospects to be really good at the next level. I think teams realize that and the edge, ru- the edge rusher class in free agency is really good,
0: especially if Vaughn Miller ends up getting, his. Yeah, declined, especially yeah. if
1: Vaughn Miller ends up on the block. So I think it kind of works well for teams where they realize, you know what, if we like a prospect, then we'll draft him. But just because we have, might have a need at edge, we're not necessarily going to try and reach to fill the need.
0: Do you think this is just a result of the last, you know, again, the last couple of years have given us some really good edge rushing classes. Do you think this is just kind of the result of that? Like now the edge rushers aren't necessarily there this year?
1: Uh, no, it's just these guys are probably collectively probably more athletic than the last class. It's just this weird situation where all of them just seem relatively underdeveloped. Like most of these guys coming out are, at least early on, are like redshirt sophomores and juniors. And all of them had an extra year of eligibility anyways as seniors to come back and uh, increase their draft stock. So
0: So I guess let's start off. We talked about Phillips. Let's talk about the other guy in Miami that everyone's going to probably be looking at in Gregory Rousseau. What have you seen on him on tape, and where do you think he projects to go? this year? Because I know with Phillips's injury issues, a lot of people, Tab Rousseau is probably the top edge rusher in this class.
1: Uh, I don't know. I just, Rousseau just wasn't that good to me. And I think that's becoming increasingly common across people who watch him because he is incredibly athletic. He's 6'5", 260. He probably could run a 4'8", 40 on a good day, Um, probably faster than that, honestly. But there's he's pretty much just thrown everywhere along the line, and his best production came on uh, end tackle stunts. Whenever he was lined up inside as like a three tech, he just isn't consistent. uh, Runs, uh, I guess, containing the run on the outside. He doesn't really know how to use his body and use his arms on the outside to pass rush. He just everything. We build him to be at the beginning of the season. I think we look at it now and we're like, well, okay, there are definitely guys who are not as athletic as him that just know what they're doing. So it's, it just feels like now, Rousseau, it just seems like someone who's more or less got like a day two. Uh, people are giving like a day two grade.
0: So he's very athletic, but that's not showing in what he's produced, is what you're saying.
1: No, it is showing. It's just, there's so much because he's able to win on the inside and for someone who's 260, you have to be either really strong or like really explosive with good arm length as well in order to win inside. But, um, in his case, there's just, he doesn't really have a defined position. He didn't really have a defined position at Miami and mm-hmm. He, I guess, just didn't really know how to attack from the outside mm-hmm. of like a 5-tech and a 7-tech.
0: Do you have a pro comparison for him?
1: Uh, not right now. There's just... It's it's really weird. <laughs> he, he's an anomaly to you? Uh, I don't know about anomaly. I'm sure someone will find him. It's very possible he can play like... Uh, he can do whatever Rishon Gary did. Because okay. there's so many... Uh, at least leading up to the process, so many people thought Gary should slide in as like a three technique because that's where he was most productive. And it was the same case with Rousseau, but then whenever he got to Green Bay, they kind of deploy him as this like outside linebacker who's just rushing as a stand up seven tech, stand up nine tech. And what that just does, it just allows him to just chase the quarterback. And he's also been, he's also developed really well uh, in as a run defender. So you could maybe see that type of path for Rousseau, and both of them are like nearly are very similar in builds. I think Gary was like six six two seventy, Rousseau's like six five two sixty with like thirty four inch arms or something like that. So,
0: so what do you think his range is? Because again, Gary was
1: a top twelve pick, I believe, it was twelve. Yes, but in the thing with Gary is he had played that season with Rousseau. He hasn't played in over a year.
0: Okay, so.
1: It's really hard to point a range on him because film is not super exciting and he's been out for a year. So it's very possible he just lands in the second round. But I think the earliest he probably goes is like Chicago. I think they could use him as an outside linebacker.
0: I don't hate the Chicago fit. Um, I do think Chicago would have to find a way to use him kind of like you talked about with Rashawn Gary, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting comparison. My, uh, my, my places I was looking at were um, if the Cardinals trade back, maybe they can get him. I do think now with Watt, I think you create a Chandler Jones, JJ Watt, Rousseau, that could be pretty good. Yeah. Um, Again, that depends, I think, on how they, if they keep Reddick or not. Uh, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it just feels weird to me in that instance that you would give up on Reddick and then go get someone like Rousseau. It's it not would,
0: giving up on Reddick. It's more the fact that I think Reddick is going to command a lot of money.
1: Again, and it was, he should. He had a really good season last year. It, and again, it, so like, in that see, In that situation, it'd be weird for someone, or it'd be weird for the team to give up on the proven player who you kind of just figured out how to use to go and get a guy who you likely don't know how to use because you don't know how to use Isaiah Simmons in that same defense.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the Cardinals are an interesting team and we'll talk about them later, but, you know, I think Rousseau, again, similar to Parsons, I think he's a guy who could go really early, like teams overestimate him and he's, but he's also a guy, I feel like he could fall to like middle of the second round. Who is – so I guess if Phillips is your number one guy, who's your number two guy?
1: I haven't gotten as deep in the edge class as I would have liked, but I have a good feeling that uh, Aziz Ojalari from Georgia is going to be that number two guy. I have a good feeling mm-hmm. about
0: that. What, what makes – because Aziz, I think, has some really interesting tape. I don't know if it's necessarily great tape, but he's,
1: he's – a little bit on the lighter side. He's like 6'3", 240, got tremendous length, knows how to play in a three point and four point stance. He's really explosive off uh, his first step and he uses that really well to kind of, uh, uh, he can turn speed to power on a bull rush. He knows how to, he has excellent bend on the outside. So if he's rushing as a seven tech, he can really corner and uh, sack the quarterback. Um, He also plays, tough in, uh, he plays hard, uh, on run support or plays hard in run support. He probably is going to be a weak side edge because you probably don't want him taking on double teams, which is something that Phillips can do. But yeah, Ojolari just, he can, he, he is, he's still developing, but he has a good, he knows how to use his arms a lot better than a lot of these other guys. And he, yeah, so he can win with speed, he can win with counter and he can kind of win with some, uh, he can win with some power as well.
0: Where do you think is the best scenario for him?
1: Uh, Anywhere that employs four down linemen uh, or typically employs four down linemen. So if we're talking in the first round, New Orleans would be a good fit, Uh, Indianapolis would be a good fit do you um, think that's about his range or I think that's where the I think that's the or the top part of his range likely. Okay. I'd be surprised if someone higher drafted him just looking at the general talent of the Edgepool. Like I don't think he's a first-round prospect, but he's a good player and somebody's going to like him.
0: Could he be a player who like retroactively becomes like a mock first-rounder?
1: If you don't uh, probably not. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see teams uh reaching on edges.
0: Okay. Because of how good the free agency class is. Yes. And then so yeah, I thought the Saints made a lot of sense for him to me. Uh I, I like the Indianapolis comp, but I don't know if they would want to take him where they are because they're, what, at 22?
1: 21, yeah. 21,
0: yeah. I don't know if – I think that may be a little high for him. Uh, but, yeah. I,
1: well, it's only high because we see what he is right now and kind of expect him to be that. But Indianapolis has been incredibly good at drafting, and Matt Eberflus is an incredibly good defensive coordinator. So it's very likely he gets to Indianapolis if he if that were the case, and he just just goes off with DeForest Buckner and uh, Tyquan Lewis and uh, Kimoku Ture all of them on the line. So yeah,
0: that that could make uh, an Indy team that looks to be better next year under Carson Wentz. That could make him even scarier. Yeah. Any other interesting uh, edge rushing prospects right now? Because we're we're mostly focusing on the, like the top end guys. And, you know, a lot of them are going to slot into that, like early, late first, early second or late first and then day two prospects.
1: Oh, uh, I think we need to just talk about Ronnie Perkins.
0: Okay. I have
1: watched, I haven't really watched uh, much of his film yet, but I've seen so many clips of this dude on Twitter. He, is, he's kind of the same size as Ojolari. And he plays hard, he, he's got good bursts off the edge, knows how to use a long arm to get around the corner, has good bend, all of that stuff. He just, he's a good player. And I think, he, I don't know if he's necessarily getting overshadowed by some of these other guys, but his tape is a lot more convincing than a lot of these other guys. At least from from the clips that I've seen so far.
0: Is he your number three guy? I actually get
1: into a deeper... Um viewing of all of these guys, but
0: yeah, is he that- your number three guy?
1: Oh, I wouldn't I w- would don't know right now if I can put any anything past one and two. <laughs>
0: okay no that makes sense really so if you if you had to guess where you'd put Rousseau right now, where would you put him?
1: Probably behind wherever Joseph Osai or wherever Jason Owe is. okay yeah
0: because again while i i agree with you that he may not be a first round prospect i feel like a lot of a lot of talk about him is as a first round prospect so maybe maybe you're seeing something again that's why you're the scout but maybe you're seeing something that a lot of people aren't
1: Well, I'd hope so. You know, it gives a different perspective.
0: <laughs> and, you know, if you're right and they're wrong, you can always gloat to them. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, any – so I guess the – so Phillips – or, sorry, not Phillips. Uh, Perkins is a guy who you think is going to get under more underlooked than he should be?
1: Yes. Uh, he could very easily fall into late day two, early day three, and whoever gets him at that point just got a really good player. <laughs>
0: Do you have a comp on him? Like where he, where, uh, he th- where you th- like think he looks like? Mm-mm.
1: Right now, size-wise, he feels a lot like DeMarcus Lawrence. Um I don't think he yeah. plays like DeMarcus Lawrence cuz I think he uses a lot more speed.
0: I was going to say if he plays like DeMarcus Lawrence, he would be like a early day <laughs> 2 pick at the very yeah. least.
1: Yeah, but uh ooh, it's tricky. Um who else is a bit like it Maybe shades of, like, Chase Winovich. And I was really high on Chase Winovich coming out. But just I'm
0: still waiting for Chase Winovich to break out because I, I feel like he still has that potential. I'm just, you know. He had
1: an incredible rookie season. Um,
0: let's
1: see. How has he been this? What was he this last year? I, I didn't even check. Oh, wow. He had five and a half sacks last season. Okay.
0: Oh, really? Wow.
1: Yeah, no, he's had 11 for his career. He, I think if I remember this correctly in his class, he had the highest, uh, sack rate. It was like one out of every, uh, 50 plays, I think resulted in a sack or something. What
0: year was he? He was 2018.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say 2019. Sorry. 2019. Wait, really?
0: Uh, like compared with, even with like Josh Allen, Nick Bosa. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Again, that shows that shows you the amount of really good edge rushers we've had over the last couple of years, and now this year we're getting some feel a lot uh, like we're getting a lot more question marks than we have in the past.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm sure someone will be creative with how they, or at least you would hope that defensive coordinators would be creative with how they use the edge prospects in this class, because there's so many guys who can just but uh, you can line out wide and just have them run with a uh, rush with the speed rush. So
0: I guess I'll leave with this on our edge rushing discussion. You know, we've been, you know, every NFL team wants to find generational talents. And I'm not saying that like to find the greatest of all times, but more like, you know, if you can get an Aaron Donald, or if you can get a guy who's like the face of that position for five or 10 years, then obviously that'd be great. Do you think we have that at the edge rushing position this year where we have a guy who you think could define and what edge rushing is going forward? Probably Jalen Phillips, if he Do you think he can become that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Just, his tape was so good and consistent. He just knew what he was doing. Okay. Well uh You'd hope he doesn't deal with injury issues in the future because that obviously can negatively impact his uh, athleticism. But even with what he has now.
0: You heard so- it first, folks. Jalen Phillips. Pencil him in. Uh, so uh, speaking on the Patriots. Uh, and now uh, the big decision of the week brought to you by the DraftDown 2021 podcast. So uh, imagine this. You are the GM slash like scouting department of the New England Patriots, so I guess you're Bill Belichick. <laughs> you, yep. uh, you've seen you've had a 2020 where you didn't make the playoffs while your star quarterback won a Super Bowl with another team. You're entering this season with a lot of question marks at your quarterback position. If you were the Patriots and you had full control over the decision. Do you, a, go after the best free agent quarterback in free agency? And let's let's leave Dak off the table. Let's say Dak is re-signed with Dallas or gets franchise tagged or whatever. So Dak isn't available in the free agency class. So do you, a, sign a f- the top free agent? B, trade for some of the interesting prospects uh, or interesting players that are available. Think of like Sam Darnold, Gardner Minshew. Um, A couple of the the quarterback names that are being thrown around is trade potential. Uh, Do you draft a top quarterback at 15 or even trade up for a, uh, a better quarterback into the top 10? Or do you kind of stay with what you have and, you know, with the crop of players returning, do you try and just run it back with what you have?
1: So, really, my biggest issue with how the New England Patriots handled the quarterback situation last year was that they didn't give whoever was starting at quarterback any help with their receiving depth. Their receiving depth was atrocious last season. Let me see.
0: Yeah, and it's been atrocious for a couple years now. Exactly. I I feel like, you know, they kind of went into last year like, let's see how this receiving core really is and then they were shocked by the results were still being bad.
1: Yeah, so their starting receivers are Nikhil Harry, um, Julian Edelman, Jacoby Myers, um, Gunnar Olszewski, and oh, I guess Philip Dorsett is not here. Okay. I think he's a free agent. Who's traditionally a special teams player. So really, the only player on that list that consistently produces is jacoby myers Julian edelman's really good he is but he's 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 probably past his prime now but he's also been injured and stay on the field (laughs) and the other thing is
0: you cannot like that is there's not in my opinion a reliable like i know you said jacoby myers but i don't even think he's a reliable guy that much
1: well, he caught seventy three percent of the passes that he was targeted this year. That's so, nice. Yeah, he hasn't scored a touchdown yeah. yet. Well, so, do, yeah. so do you do you well, think either way? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, I guess when you're looking at the quarterback situation, do you think the most important thing is the the wide receiver
1: situation? Absolutely, because if you're surround the Patriots' offensive line is really good. They're play uh at least play uh offensive philosophy, play calling, play design, whatever you want to say, call it is going to be good with McDaniel's and Villachek. So, the only issue at that point is you just not having the skill on the outside to make to really have a consistent passing offense. If you bring in a young quarterback like Sam Darnold, which I'm not really sure why you would do that, but you bring in Sam like specifically Sam Darnold,
0: he's a guy he, I could see them trade for, especially if, you know, the Jets draft a quarterback high.
1: Yeah, but like Darnold is really wasn't really that good anyways. But point aside, <laughs> if he came in to throw to players that were probably worse than the skill position, skill than the receivers he had in New York, who were also pretty bad. That is un- that is harsh. Exactly. Even with as good of an offensive line they have, you aren't helping your quarterback because the people he's throwing to aren't consistent separators. So. And especially now, if they were to trade up into the draft to go and grab a quarterback that they really like, like a Trey Lance or uh, probably Zach Wilson at uh, at that point in the draft, you aren't surrounding him with great talent on the outside as well. And on top of that, you're probably giving up a first round pick, a future first round pick, and probably like a high day two pick. Uh, pick either in this year's draft or next year's draft to go and do it. So it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things to go and give up a draft pick for an unproven quarterback, knowing that your receiver situation isn't very good. We saw what Cam Newton was able to do last year. He wasn't great, but he also wasn't as bad as we like to, or as people seem to make, uh, people seem to think he was.
0: Yeah. He made the most of a pretty harsh situation with yeah. having no wide receivers. Yeah. So I, I have guess...
1: concerns about his arm rank, that, you know, is kind of whatever, yeah. but I Bill Belichick has really had nothing but positive things to say. Last year he completed 66% of his passes. He missed one game due to COVID. And I think he scored 20 touchdowns last season because he rushed rushed like for 12 touchdowns or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So he was product he was more than productive last year. You get Cam with better receivers and you'll see just you'll see an even greater improvement than what you had this year so I
0: guess going back to that question do you imagine them at all let's start with the draft do you imagine them at all using a draft pick on a quarterback in the first
1: round no no I don't I think this team realizes that the defense has some it's kind of in a mix of young players and old players a lot of the players on the defense in the defensive backfield are getting old but even then the defense as a whole is still playing pretty well you don't know how long you can rely on those guys in the secondary to play and with their current trend of drafting it hasn't been particularly great either so they probably recognize that and realize if we have to go in if we go and trade up for a quarterback or if we go and grab a Sam Darnold, or someone like that, we're having to essentially kind of rebuild because you don't know how quickly that quarterback is going to develop if he develops. Is With there? Sam Newton, you understand where he is right now, especially since he played last year for you. And you understand, um, even if they wanted to go after someone like Jameis Winston, his football IQ is good. You know, you're concerned about turnovers, but. He'll he definitely knows how to score points.
0: So I guess my question is if you're the Patriots, would your priority be signing these wide receiver, these free agent wide receivers like Chris Godwin or uh like getting uh um trying to think of some of the other guys. Kenny is Kenny dolladay available, right?
1: Yeah, yes, he is.
0: So is that would be your priority?
1: I don't know necessarily that New England has the cap space to go after guys who are going to command likely 17, $18 million per season. Um, Let me check this out. So they have, oh really? Oh wow, they have quite a bit of cap space. Yeah,
0: I believe they just um, they
1: have about 72 million but I believe they also have some people to sign um, let's see so they have 72 million in cap space this season but they have to oh yeah this is a long list. okay uh, Joe Tooney, he's likely to uh, he his last paycheck got him about 14 about close to 15 million in annual average value. Uh, Jason mm-hmm. 40 Lawrence guy. Um, David Andrews is going to have is probably going to command a bigger deal than the 3 million that he was owed. Um, Let's see. Um, Dietrich Wise is going to command more than his 745k. JC Jackson is definitely going to command more than his 573k. So that's what five players that we pointed out. Yeah alone could take you to an average annual value of about 45 to 50 million, which would severely reduce how much cap space you have left. We probably get to about 23, 24 million in cap space left. Now, if you were to sign someone like Cam Newton or James Winston, they're probably not going to be very expensive. Well, I I want to tell you
0: the name I was focusing on, and I think would make too much sense, is Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think of the three quarterbacks we've, like, of those three quarterbacks, I think not only did he have probably the best season last year, but I think also, and if I'm the Patriots, especially his ability to learn and to adapt to any situation available to him, I think could make him really good for New England next year
1: yeah but ryan fitzpatrick is also 37 and i'm not sure again though he played pretty good last year for the miami he League. did but you also have to be concerned about the future he's 38 he's going to be 39 in november you have to be concerned about what you're going to do with the future you don't have much of a plan right now and in... you're not you're not sufficient with jared stidham no <laughs> could never <laughs> could could you but... see a
0: scenario where and i think this is a possibility if you know, you you get a Fitzpatrick and then you draft a David Mills in, let's say, the third round. Do you think that's a scenario New, New England would, could look into?
1: I think they would. I think that I could see them drafting Davis Mills, regardless of them signing Ryan Fitzpatrick per se. I think. They might see more value in going after someone like Winston because he is, like, 26. He is... But could he also...
0: First of all, is he not just going to resign with New
1: Orleans? Um. It sounds like New Orleans wants him back. I don't think he would have a problem playing there, but it sounds like he's getting interest from other teams to go and be, compete for their starting quarterback position.
0: Yeah. And then also... I feel like he would be even a little bit more money than New England could afford. Do you not think he was,
1: he was, I think he's like 2 million last year, if I'm not mistaken. So even if you were going to pay him on like a one year, deal, it's probably not more than like 10 to $15 million, which is okay. totally for a quarterback. You,
0: you, you would spend the 10 to 15 million on him.
1: Yeah. I think because you have, he's 27, which if he turns out to be really good this year you have a player who can lead you for the next six, seven years, especially with how he plays. So probably more than that, honestly. So that does so much for the franchise. Whenever you're looking at the defensive talent in the back or the backfield getting older, you know, I Winston probably gives them a better opportunity to contend Than if they were to play with the rookie quarterback, because there's going to be at least like a year or two where it's going to be hard for that quarterback to go far in the playoffs.
0: And then with that first round, if they get a Winston or a Newton or even a Fitzpatrick, they could then use their draft pick on a guy like Pitts or any of the wide receivers we listed and become at least better on the you don't
1: even have run. to use a first round pick because they used a first round pick on Nikhil Harry and Lord knows, and most people who saw that pick were re- incredibly confused, especially with deke Metcalf on the board. Yeah, so, but even
0: even to that degree though, you like they're in a, a top 15 pick and the top the top five wide receiver or the top four wide receivers and the top two tight ends this class are so good. I feel like they can't ignore that.
1: Yeah, but we think of them as the top three uh, wide receivers in this draft. We aren't sure how New England builds their board because New England always traditionally does things differently. New England, sure. Seattle, these are all franchises that just go about things differently. So if at fi- they likely wouldn't use a rec- uh pick a receiver at 15. They'd probably pick one in the second or third round if they did. But once again, they, if they cannot strike out on a bad receiver, with a good pick in day two,
0: I mean they they did with Nikhil Harry. You you never know, maybe they select. I don't know, Jamon Osbon.
1: I mean he's not a bad player at all. No, but if you picked him in day two, yeah, there's probably some concern.
0: Uh, so I guess the the answer, I guess, to the ultimate question of what the the Patriots should do in free agency is try to get James Winston. And if they can't just get, bring Kim Newton back.
1: Yep. Yeah.
0: Main, main part, main thing to focus on. If you're a Patriots, fix your wide receivers.
1: Like, I think they're aware of that,
0: uh, <laughs> but they did I I don't care they need to fix them. They, 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 they drove Tom Brady away and now they're, you know, on the outside looking into the playoffs. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, was, uh, that was the fun. Now uh, let's cut it back to Jackson and Kyle. This has been your big decision of the week, brought to you by the DraftDown 2021 podcast. Let's leave off this uh, with the team that kind of got a huge splash this week from uh, the J.J. Watt signing. Arizona, we talked about them earlier and, you know, the Hassan Reddick signing, but their team, I feel like they could do a lot. With their first round pick, uh, were there any prospects you look you could think of? They have what pick sixteen? Yep, yeah. You know, it's middle of the first round, eight and eight last year. Still with a young quarterback. Their team, I feel like, you go in a bunch of different directions. Is there anyone you would look at that pick and see this is a guy who could go here?
1: Elijah Vera Tucker. If they don't pick Elijah Vera Tucker at sixteen, we have issues.
0: I know. I know. Offensive lineman is a p- position that has been circled as a need for them is that you think the guy is Elijah Vera Tucker specifically?
1: Yeah. I have the top five players. I think Vera, which uh, the top five are, uh, Sewell, Derrisa, Slater, um, Vera Tucker and Samuel Cosby from Texas. I think he probably can, you can probably get the most, uh, out of him in that particular scheme, short, intermediate passes, uh, Single side reads, um, gap running scheme, uh, a lot of tackle and guard pulling, which plays well into his strengths, uh, not only with athletic ability but also as a run blocker. So, would he be a
0: uh, blindside tackle or
1: a? I he you can probably play him at either position. Where I think DJ Humphreys was uh, let's see, DJ Humphreys is a blindside. I'm pretty sure. I you can play him on either side and he'll be fine. Okay concerns
0: yeah i think you know as we talked about the offensive line is a position you could look at i think especially when you saw how tristan works kind of helped tampa bay so much i could see any of those five guys uh really make a difference in arizona i'm personally leaning towards slater though i don't think he'll be able to make it that far but yeah, I think Slater would be a big difference maker in Arizona. Are there any like skill positions we could see Arizona go with?
1: Probably not. Their tight end situation is good for the most part. Um, Even though,
0: like, but like, if a Kyle Pitts falls, you don't think they would go for a Kyle Pitts?
1: I think they could. I think Cliff uh, Kingsbury would. Be, you would be, I guess, smart in how he utilized. Uh, Kyle Pitts. I think I think he would probably prefer to get a skilled player than an offensive lineman. but Because <laughs> it's Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. I'm just looking at it and it just feels like at that position, Vera Tucker would do more for the team than uh, Pitts. Because it's Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Dan Arnold are probably your starting, uh, I guess, three pass catchers of sorts.
0: Yeah, because now that Larry's retired, yeah.
1: They use a lot of 21 personnel, which is two back looks with Edmonds, and I don't know if they'll sign Drake. They probably should. But there have been
0: talks about them not doing that. Um
1: yeah, Which I don't know. They're fair because they probably, they probably better than a lot of other teams understand the value of a running back. So,
0: And I also think there's a bunch of guys who they could get in late day two, early day three that they could get the, could do a pretty good job replacing exactly. what Drake provided. Yeah.
1: Running backs are practically very very replaceable in that offense, as, it, as are in most offenses. Yeah,
0: unless you're getting uh, Derrick Henry for the four years of his prime you're almost more likely to get, like, you know, having three or four okay guys than getting a great guy.
1: I mean, if we're on that, that, uh, if we're on the running, if we're talking about running backs, Najee Harris in Arizona. Could well, would be, you
0: take him in the first round?
1: I would, I could see them trading back and taking that him in the first round
0: I guess we'll and we'll talk about this next week in terms of the running backs because I think this is a very deep class I don't think it's necessarily a, a great top end class but I think it's a very deep class uh, Najee Harris to me makes sense but again I don't think they would take him I think he could be a second round pick for them I don't think he'd get there but you know I think he makes sense in that system
1: it's tricky because atlanta's in need of a running back uh but atlanta's
0: in need of a lot of things (laughs) i i I see like seven or eight positions atlanta needs
1: yeah i guess he could fall to them in the second round or
0: or travis etienne is a guy who i think could fill a similar role maybe get to them in the same my point is more if you're looking at running backs i think there are so many deep guys in this class if i'm arizona and why they're probably not going to resign drake is i could see them saying yeah we'll wait until late day two early day three to get a guy
1: yeah
0: i know i uh you know I, I do think that uh are there any defensive because we talked a little bit about some of the uh edge rushers do you think there's a defensive guy that arizona could go with at that 16 spot,
1: my issue is they would be the type of team to draft Micah Parsons if he was there, but they would have absolutely no clue how to use Micah Parsons until like the third or fourth year. So, yeah, and then he'd
0: leave and they'd be in the same situation all yeah. over again. Yeah. I mean, we just well, went through this with the Son Reddick. Like, yep. Now, it looks like we're in it with Isaiah Simmons. I don't want to get into it again with Micah Parsons.
1: Do not give a good, versatile defensive player to Arizona because they will not know how to use them.
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, no. They'll figure it out right before he leaves.
1: Well, we don't know what's going on with Isaiah Simmons, so until then.
0: But, yeah, but we've seen it, like, the same thing with Hassan Redick, and I still have faith in Isaiah Simmons because I think he's just such a good yeah no i
1: like isaiah simmons i i would hope he gets better we love oh and
0: and we saw flashes last year of pretty good you know i just think the problem is is he was a top 10 pick yeah um could could you see them because there's a lot of talk about patrick peterson leaving could you see them going for one of the cornerbacks if they fall
1: i think that's a good range for jc
0: horn yeah, I mean, so I guess we talked a lot about Caleb Farley and um, Patrick Sertan II in our first podcast. We didn't really talk a lot about J.C. Horn. Do you think that's a guy who mid round of the mid of the first round could be a prospect for a lot of teams?
1: Yeah, I think for a lot of teams, will be a top of the first round pick also because I know a lot of people now are saying that they would rather have J.C. Horn over uh, Farley or Sertan.
0: Like a significant amount of teams?
1: Um, uh, not teams necessarily, just analysts saying that they would rather have mm-hmm.
0: um Yeah, but analysts also said they'd left Mike Mac Jones at number nine. Like
1: Well, okay, these are like good analysts. Good like,
0: analysts, not like the Mel Kuipers or the skip. Or Davis's whatever like Mel Hyper
1: once was. He was a good analyst way right back like ten years ago.
0: It's I get it. Like I get the idea that you create these terrible mock drafts people talk about them you get more buzz you know it's a circle of life but it's what it is
1: but yeah uh gc horn is a good uh good player there i think uh he's a bit bigger than i think the type of cornerbacks that they like but he has the ability to play man coverage and i think in a perfect world Vance. oh you know what it's just like playing zone. I mean, Horn can play zone. That's not really an issue, but I think. Yeah, he's just the best cornerback at that spot. Is
0: there another defensive back in that area? Because I think as we talked, or yeah, is there another um, defensive If you, you
1: consider Jeremiah Owosu a, a Karamoa a safety as opposed to like a weak side linebacker, then yeah, he'll probably be there.
0: But do you want to take the risk of a hybrid to linebacker safety with Arizona again?
1: I think he'd be a better fit than Simmons because uh, Osu Koromoa in general is best as like an overhang safety in a single high scheme, which would allow someone like Buddha Baker or uh, Isaiah Simmons to kind of play uh, up high.
0: It's definitely an interesting selection. They're going to
1: play Simmons as a safety whatsoever. They're just going to keep playing him as a linebacker. I think Karamoa fits perfectly then, because he can just be that second safety.
0: Okay, so you you project Owosu Karamoa to be that's to be a safety. Yeah, he, he's he's probably of the linebacker prospects, linebacker safety prospects in this draft. He's probably the most interesting to me because I could see him legitimately playing both. I could see him playing linebacker full time in the NFL. I could also see him playing full time safety in the NFL. He's uh, yeah. So I guess the question is, you know, we talked about any of the interior defensive linemen, or do you think that uh,
1: that would be a pretty significant reach to me? Uh, yeah.
0: Really, nothing. Not on uh Barisaw or, or what's it, what's it, Christian Barrymore?
1: Barmore, yeah. Barmore. Uh, I'm probably not touching until the end of the first round, if even. So. Oh
0: wow. So, but uh, yeah. I also think that the. I mean, as much as I don't think it's a no stop, I think the J.J. Watt signing could have limited what they do at the in the
1: interior. I think it's also tricky because they want to play three down linemen doing a lot of. Uh, they want to line it up like a three-four, so Barmore doesn't really have a place there because they're gonna have Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt as their ends. Barmore is not a definitely not the size or the skill set of a two-gapping one-tech. So
0: at at the very least, not consistently.
1: Yeah, maybe in that situation you go get someone like Levi Amuzurike, but I don't think they. I don't think any team is going to draft him in the middle of the first round.
0: I was going to say I have him as maybe a mid-day two prospect or mid-second round prospect. So uh, I guess the big question with that is, if you had the choice between J.C. Horn, uh, Wosu Karamora, and uh, um, Naji Harris in your Arizona, who would you select? Oh, oh, and, and I'll throw in Samuel Cosby. Uh,
1: Cosby or Vera Tucker.
0: No, no, Cosme. I think if Vera Tucker's there, we all both we both agree that Vera Tucker's going to get drafted. Okay. But if um, you said between Cosme, Najee Harris, uh, Owosu Karamoa, and
1: JC uh, Horn. I think they probably recognize they need some corner help more, so they go and get JC Horn.
0: I also just think JC Horn of those is the best prospect. Like Samuel Cosme, I think could be a very g- good offensive tackle. And and is probably a guy who I could see a team drafting at 16. But I think, you know, JC Horn at that level is a pretty interesting and good prospect. And especially if, you know, the team like them needs cornerback help, I could see them going at that route. Well, everyone, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of DraftDown 2021. My name is Jackson King.
1: My name is Aditya Prabhakaran.
0: And thanks, you all, for listening to this week's podcast. Thanks and gaidam.